So we have one decision, only one to ever make. What do you think it is? So who can do it? <laughs> I mean, where does it leave us? With a world full of knuckleheads? <laughs> How in the world are we going to love those knuckleheads? Is there any hope in it? Any hope in it? Have you ever have you ever been able to love a knucklehead? I just got a I got a little video clip just last night about a man that's on a TED talk, and this kid was a foster kid, and foster kid to foster kid to foster home to foster home, and very extreme, atrocious situations that included um, what m most of us couldn't bear. The people that can bear it get it, and the ones of us who couldn't bear it don't get it. And he finally met up with a um, foster parent who said, like, we're going to love you anyway. So whatever you do, we're still going to love you anyway. So he tested it a round or two. <laughs> and he speaks about putting marbles in a jar for children particularly. And it was very poignant to me, particularly with Father's Day coming up. And between Mother's Day, during Easter and then Mother's Day and Father's Day, it's one of the highest energy times there is. Around Easter, High Holy Day, and then Mother's Day, Father's Day, where we start to get generally an elevated level of anxiety. Have you noticed? Around that time, that time period, where something starts cooking. And it's... it's a lot of it around uh, unresolved things with our families of origin, with mother, disappointments in mother, not having the mother of our dreams. Anybody here have the mother of their dreams? I'm still waiting to meet you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the majority didn't. We dreamed of mother, and then something else showed up. So our mother was a mother of a fantasy. So then our fathers are typically fathers of a fantasy. So then the father that showed up in the physical didn't match our illusions and our imagination about what father should be. Then reality said, no, this is the father for you. And if you're imagining this father is for you, and you get this father for, for you, where does it leave you? Unhappy. Disappointed, despaired, afraid, panicked, frustrated, irritated, and then victimized for the rest of our days. So until that's integrated, until the fantasy's taken down, whatever our fantasy is, mother, father, jobs, spouses, relationships, weather, traffic, you know, we still have some illusion and fantasy that traffic's going to flow. It gets funnier and funnier. Because what's the reality of it? It doesn't. So sometimes traffic flows and sometimes traffic doesn't. And if your fantasy is that of traffic should flow, oh, I know, traffic should flow, traffic should flow, traffic should flow, and then it doesn't, 
where does it leave you? Frustrated, irritated, mad, upset, victimized. So this is the way then the victim gets to express itself. So I want to give you that opportunity here this morning. So raise your dominant hand, right or left hand, whatever's dominant. This is your chance for a little theater. This is your chance to dramatize, to kind of get some of it out of your system. So imagine you are believing traffic should flow, and it isn't. And put your hand right on your forehead and let out a big, ah, Now imagine you pop some bread in the toaster. Well, does anybody eat bread anymore? But re- remember when you ate bread, you put bread in the toaster and it pops up burnt. What would it do? Oh! So this is what we're dealing with. Those are s- slight slights in the big scheme of things. But to this, oh, there's no measure of large or small. Anytime it doesn't get what it wants... That's its knee-jerk, instinctual reaction. So, what's another option? So, traffic should flow. True or false? Traffic should flow, and traffic is not flowing. True or false, traffic should flow. Out loud? So if you continue to believe that traffic should flow, how will that affect you? Depression, despair, frustration, irritation. So then there's one decision here in this quandary, in this frustration, irritation, one decision that says, what if I brought acceptance to this moment. You don't have to love what is. The workshop is entitled Loving What Is. Trust me, I don't love what is. (laughs) I seldom even like what is. (laughs) However, it's a direction to go in. It's a direction to go in that says, hey, I don't have to love what is. I don't have to like what is. But what if I brought acceptance to what is? So I don't have to be joy, joy, joy that traffic is blocked. You would probably get institutionalized (laughs) if you had that much joy. Or certainly drug tested. (laughs) (laughs) So no sane person would jump out of a car. You've had a flat tire in the middle of a bug tussle, Kentucky, at night in the rain. You're likely not going to jump out of your car and go, oh, goody, 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 a flat tire, my favorite. No sane person would do that. But what if you brought acceptance to that? What would that be like? So who would you be in the traffic situation if you brought, if you decided, I have one decision here, and if I bring acceptance to this, how would it change my experience. So what would it be like to bring acceptance to that situation? 
more peaceful, calmer, easier. Would this be okay with you to have an easier, calmer, more peaceful, more neutral, more balanced life? You sure? Would this be okay with you? Are you willing for your life to be easier? Together? Look and tell someone, I'm willing for my life to be easier. Now look back and tell them, you know, I'm willing for my life to be calmer. I'm willing to be calmer in my life. And now one more. I'm willing to make one decision. I'm willing to make one decision. So I'm going to choose peace. I'm going to choose peace. So it's either peace or pain, frustration, stress. So the one decision, more pain, more peace. More frustration, more peace. In every single situation. So burnt toast, peace or pain. Stuck traffic, peace or pain. They don't invite you to their party. Pain or peace. They gossip about you. They call you names. So it can get juicy. But in any situation, over and over and over and over, if I continue to make that one decision, I'm going to be left more collaborative, more innovative, more creative, more resourceful, more intuitive, calmer, saner, and clearer thinking. So the life I'm dreaming of is possible here now. In every situation as I employ this one decision. Is I practice in every situation the only decision there is ever to make. So if I'm thinking it's all good and you get unemployed, where does it leave you? Scared, panicked. So where did you get that life would not include unemployment? Where'd you get that? <laughs> Fantasy. What'd you say, honey? I said the 80s. Yes. <laughs> yes. When you were employed. But even in the 80s, how many others weren't employed? If you can step back and get a broader perspective. Like there's never been a time in recorded history without unemployment. But in fantasy, we say, oh, no, employment. I'm going to just have employment only. Then where will it leave you when the winds of life blow through and say, no, now, sometimes you'll be employed and unemployed.
Traffic will flow and not flow. There will be times of illness and wellness. Both and. Both and. So what will be the consequences on you if you draw a line down through there and put them in categories of good and bad? What's going to happen to you? Misery. Misery. Upset. And don't we love misery? <laughs> Tell the truth. Nobody knows the troubles I see. See, we love that. Even while we claim we don't. It's like, so we commiserate. We commiserate. If you've got misery, sit by me. Tell me your miseries, I'll tell you mine. Then even as we're listening to their miseries, we can't wait for them to shut up so we can one-up them. You know, oh, I had a fever of 100 for seven days. I had 103 for eight. So it's got to like one-up all the misery. So we dramatize, dramatize. While we claim we want a calmer, more peaceful, more loving and joyous life. So it's incongruent. It's incoherency. So the stress then is really our friend. Have you ever heard that before? Like stress is a friend? Like stress is like a compassionate alarm clock? Saying, wake up, honey, 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 wake up. Like you would a little child if they were in a nightmare. Sweetheart, wake up, honey, you're in a nightmare. So stress is saying, wake up, wake up, snap out of it. Snap out of it. You're believing something that's false. Any stressful thought is a false thought. Traffic should flow. Then it doesn't, it's false. So the stress is not from the traffic. The stress is from the thinking that caused it. This is good news. Basic unity. So what does unity say? Thought causes all the effects. So let's look at some of the core thinking. Now, this is while we are touting and praying and singing, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. But don't expect me to love that knucklehead. <laughs> and I will love her if she invites me to her party. And if she doesn't, she's the devil. <laughs> and I'll tell everybody. So this is what we're dealing with. Where does it leave us then? So let's look at a few myths, a few false statements. So children should be well-behaved. True or false? Now, the only parents will speak up here. <laughs> false. What's the reality of it? Children are children, just like you. Are you always well-behaved? This will be the time for my choir now. Are you always well-behaved? No. No, 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 no. So 
when we believe that children should be well behaved, it is hopeless. 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 My spouse should understand me. Hopeless. Hopeless. They should listen to me. See, it gets funnier and funnier. Now, some of you are getting really irritated here because <laughs> I am systematically here to dismantle your belief system, which is your BS. <laughs> your belief system, your BS that would say, well, they should listen to me. Oh, I mean, I am their mother. They should listen to me. I mean, I've got a degree. They should listen to me. I have experience. Well, false, 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 false. And if you're under the spell of that false BS, believing that someone should listen to you, and then they don't, what happens to your life? What happens to your way of being when they don't listen to you and you're believing that they should listen to you? Really upset. Pitiful, angry, that's a truthful young man. Angry, frustrated, irritated, upset, pitiful, powerless, retaliating, vindictive. This is just what our spiritual types do. <laughs> we gossip about them, cut them off at the knees. Well, bless her heart. So, sound like much of a life? So, who would you be? What would it be like if you no longer believed that someone should listen to you? Get a sense of it in your body as you answer this. Get a sense of being that. Because that's what the bridge is. Like, I'm on a bridge says, I can stay stuck in this and hand this down for the next seven generations. This archaic, painful, victim-based way of being. Or I can cross on over this bridge today, right here, right now, today, today, and say, there's another way of being for me. There's another way to be. So who would I be having the thought they should listen to me if it had no effect on me? Who would you be if you no longer believed they should listen to you? A more authentic self. Get a sense of it in your body. Calmer, more peaceful, freer. Get a sense of that in your body. What it would be like to be free whether they listen to you or not. To be calmer whether they listen to you or not. Can you get a sense of this? This is the power of this work. Taking one thought at a time, one thought that causes misery. Misery, 
misery, misery for decades across the board of my life and cutting into it. It's what Eckhart Tolle says about the work. It's like a razor-sharp sword to cut right through the illusion. To get to the truth that reveals your timeless essence that I call another way of being in these situations. It's another way I can be with this. I don't have to like it. I don't have to love it. And I don't have to be a victim to it either. You willing? You'll get tested before you leave here. Somebody will cross you. They'll give you the look. Or there'll be a tone of voice that bristles you. So before you leave, you'll get a chance to apply this. In this moment now, in this very situation, who would I be if I bring acceptance to this? Who would I be if I didn't mind? Who would you be if you didn't mind what they're doing? Who would you be if you didn't mind whether you got invited or not? Who would you be if you didn't mind if they called you back or not? Who would you be if you didn't mind what the traffic does? Now, if you go home and start practicing this, the people you live with will think you're on a new medication <laughs> because they know where your buttons are and they know the formula for the button. They know where to push and how many times to activate you. So here's the good news. Guess who installed the button? So who holds the power on that button? So guess who checked you into hell hotel? <laughs> guess who's holding the key? So anytime you want to check out you can. In any situation, with one decision only, you can be free again. And we're up against a mighty force. A mighty force called mind. A mighty force that's infinite. A mighty force that's under the effects of the Kool-Aid under the effects of the BS since we were three years old. So there's quite a few paradigms in place. There's quite a bit of worldview in place. So this, word, this work is like just chipping away at it, just taking down a concept here, a concept there, a thought here, a thought there, a word here, an experience here, until eventually it dismantles. You ever played the game Jenga? Do you know what it is, like a wooden stack game? 
And the goal of that game is not to pull the wrong one. And if you pull the wrong one, the whole thing collapses. This work is about pulling the right one. Pulling the thought that's held all of this dramatization, that's held all of this victimhood, that's held all of this story in place to say, I'm going in like a surgeon. I'm going in to discover what my BS is. And I'm going in to take it down. Thought by thought by thought by thought until it is dismantled. Then when it comes down in that situation, it comes down across the board. When I can apply it in this part of my life, it affects the rest of my life. So you may not have to work on every knucklehead. Just work on one knucklehead. Work on one situation that constantly or routinely brings frustration to you. And then begin again. So hang around today. The workshop today is only for people who have suffered enough. So if you have not suffered enough, run toward the back door. Because this workshop is about ending suffering. Ending the frustrations. Ending the irritations. Ending our check-ins at Hell Hotel. So that then when we check into Hell Hotel, we don't stay as long. It's maybe a toe-in and a quick-out instead of a weekend or a month-end or a year-end or a decade-in that. So it's a practice in how to make quicker and shorter trips. Now imagine since you've been in here that when you go out to go in your car, the tire is flat. So you're going to look up on a flat tire, and what will the mind call it? A problem. Awful. Inconvenient. Why me? After all I've done for God. So it'll make up something about the flat tire. It'll call it a name. It'll call it a concept like awful, tragedy, unfortunate, inconvenient, so what created your stress? What you called it. And if you believe what it calls it, you will experience what you just made up. Basic unity. Whatever you call it, it becomes. So you call it a problem, what will you experience? So what else could you call the flat tire besides a problem? How about a flat tire? That's what I say. I used to put positive spins on it like, oh, it's an opportunity while my guts were twisted, my throat tight. It's like, well, it could be an opportunity, but I'm not seeing it yet. I'm willing, though, to see the opportunity in it. In the meantime, what if I could just call it a flat tire? What would that be like? So if you call it a flat tire, how would you experience it? We've got a wise sage here on the second row. 
I'd call it a flat tire, and then I would fix it. Pump it up. Put some air in it. Call AAA. Ask for some help. Look for a cell phone. Our mind would be free, free, free to put air in a tire. And then instead, we're st the fact, the second we name anything a problem. So then the practice is to stop making up stuff and for sure not to believe what you've made up. And start calling things what they are. Then you're left coherent, wise, sane, available, present, resourceful, clear thinking, instead of the rug's been pulled out from under me. Despaired, pathetic, powerless. And then we become a teacher of that to the world. That what is actually is. And the only power and all the power in the universe resides in me to relate to what is differently. Not to change what is, but how am I going to relate to what is? And that's the only decision I ever have to make. How am I going to relate to what is? Pain or peace? I love you and cannot help it. I hope you can stay. I want to lift you up here as a ministry. Do you have a sense of, of what you're doing here at Unity in Lawrence? Like what a thriving model you are. Reverend Cherie spoke about it. But like, like a model. So now see, I get to be in a different Unity church almost every Sunday. So look. Look at what you've done here. Look at what you continue to do here. Your process, your process, your magnet Intent to attract a leader that's a thriving thinking leader. Bravo, bravo to you. Like that is kudos for you, the process you had. And then what life chose for you. Like a perfect fit. It's a highly, highly auspicious time for you as a ministry. And I pray that you awaken to that if you haven't already. And that you step into the wave of that that you ride the wave of that so continue to support your board of directors your board of trustees as they lead you here through this auspicious time certainly continue to lift this one up pray for her most people think that ministers are here to love the congregation it's like she's here to be loved by you she's here to receive love from you if she loves you it's a bonus So whose job is it then? Whose job is it to love? Ours, mine, individually, situation to situation, and time to time to time. So um, 
if there's a way I can ever support you, get in touch with me. It delights me. I'll be around for the potluck. Then I'll be around to do the workshop. Please stay if you can. And if this message has been meaningful to you, text or call somebody and tell them to get over here for the workshop too. And God speed to you. You're a fulfillment of my own life's mission, which is to serve people who serve. So I naturally believe that that's who you are or we wouldn't be together here. So I'll serve you any way I can and I'll lift you up as wind beneath your wings to serve ever how you're serving in the areas of life that you've been appointed in, that you do so with confidence and you do so living out unity's principles of the one power and the one presence that is all that is and that is within you in every situation, that that is your reference and that is your reality, that it's not just a theory or an affirmation, but it is reality realized and embodied in you. God bless you.